It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, man, let's talk about another wide receiver here in Debo Samuel. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, everyone thought the worst. Uh, and really, it's two weeks in a row now. Everyone thought the worst of Trevor Lawrence, and the dude just went out there and absolutely crushed it, balled out of his mind. Uh, yeah. We thought he had a bad wheel, but no, he looked totally good to go. Um, <laughs> Debo, same thing. When he got rolled up, man, I mean, just about damn near everybody thought that he tore an ACL or, or something real, at the very least, a really bad high ankle sprain. It comes back an MCL injury in a, in a regular ankle sprain, a low ankle sprain. No ACL damage, no high ankle. He's expected back this season. Um, I, although I think it is a fair question to ask, Matt. You know, what do we kind of expect with Debo Samuel not just for this year, but I mean, even moving forward into 2022 and beyond. It's a good question. Um, you know, and just on like the idea that he could be back this season, I, I think there's certainly a chance he could play again in the regular season. But, you know, part of me is almost like, do you want to do you really want to risk it? You know, no. do you want to bring him back early? Because the 49ers right now, according to 538, have a 98 percent chance to make the playoffs. They have a 92 percent chance to win the division. They do play Seattle on Thursday night. Um, yeah, that's so that's that's a big game. Although Seattle's kind of trending in the wrong direction and man, BCB Brock Purdy, bro, was just what a, what a game, what a game on Sunday. <laughs> Hopefully he's healthy, uh, yeah. you know, with this oblique injury too. So I don't know. Part of me is almost like I, I'd rather they just I don't know, shut Debo Samuel down rest of the season and just bring him back in the playoffs. Cause not, not like they, they've got like a shortage of playmakers, right? Uh, Ayuk right. was awesome on Sunday. Chris McCaffrey was awesome on Sunday. So, um, I think there's a chance they could they could shut him down, even if he's like quote healthy enough, anyways. But to your point about like you know the re- the rest of the this season or even going forward with Debo, you know, I mean, yeah. And I just saw, I guess got an alert right now that like Debo could return as soon as week 17. I I just don't even again I don't see the point of like bringing him back in week either. 17 because I think you yeah. I think you'll have your your stuff all wrapped up by then. But w- whatever, we'll see. Um, I, I do. Debo's a tough one for me, man, because, you know, we just did the, the superstar, uh, the, pen, the wide receiver superstar penthouse episode. Right. And I don't think either one of us even considered putting no. Debo in there, right? Didn't even mention him. And I think last year we mentioned him in was... pass in like in passing and both agreed. We, we don't, we don't have him. We don't have, we don't know. No, no. And, and clearly at the end of last season, Debo Sam was clearly a, a top five wide receiver, you know, again, not from like a route running standpoint or any, any of those things, but just overall player. Right. And that, yeah. and that's the evaluation that you need to take with somebody like Debo Samuel is you just got to look at the player. Like what does he, what does this guy do? Um, all over the football field. Hey, listen, coming in, you know, before the injury now, you know, coming into week 14, we're talking about a guy that had 840 scrimmage yards, five total touchdowns, 54 receptions. Although it is interesting, a career low 59.3% catch rate from a fantasy perspective and a real life perspective. He had some dominant moments, but certainly they were few and far between. He's had a couple of games of 20 point PPR games, a couple of single digit PPR games and a lot of these ho-hum 12 to 15 
point games as well. Uh, fantasy is not everything, but I think even from a real life perspective, just watching him play, he did not necessarily make all of those splash plays um, that we got accustomed to seeing in 2021. De- Look, it's definitely fair to say he didn't build on his 2021 campaign. I think this is where I I, I definitely sometimes rail on on fantasy uh, for being like you know getting too lost in the weeds and stupid stuff and like you know, over focus on stats and, and things like that. But this is one thing where I think like fantasy players and and even most fantasy analysts um, really are ahead of the curve on then like casual NFL fans or NFL observers on like just how tough it is to roll over year to year, like hyper efficiency, like a guy like Debo Samuel, who is hyper efficient, you know, the big plays, the running hot on touchdowns, running hot on like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with Jalen Waddle uh, on the superstar episode where the amount of like, what Debo Samuel was doing consistently getting not just the, the, the yards after the catch, but getting yards after the catch on like passes in the intermediate area, just absurd stuff. That's really hard. Like the, the R word regression, right? Like where, you know, the, the, oh, the, the villain of the villain of fantasy, but like it is the reality that yeah. it's really hard to roll over hyper efficiency like that. And and this is something I've said all a lot with Debo that, like everybody uh, was very excited about what he did the first, you know, eight weeks of the season last year, 10 weeks of the season last year, when he was just dominating the targets, dominating the the passing opportunities in, in San Francisco. And like I said a lot, like that's not ever going to happen again because Ayuk is out of the doghouse. And I mean, he looks incredible this year. He looks like a, he's a star, le- a close to a star level player. Mm-hmm. Um, Kittle was not healthy during that stretch. So like, that's the funny thing is his production is down, but I don't feel any differently about Debo Samuel, the player right now than I did week five, week six of last season. Like he's the same guy, but the stats aren't there because there's so many other guys involved in this offense. And okay, well then when you bring the target share down, you bring the opportunities per game down, you lessen your odds of hitting that absurd big play that he's one of one in terms of what he can do, like make it, those big plays he can make in the open field. It just again, when your opportunities per game are down, your your target share is down, the the less chances you're going to have to hit that kind of play. And I think that's probably what's going on with him. Yeah. So 2021, the guy had 1,770 scrimmage yards, 14 touchdowns, and it was just incredible, right? Now he also had 13 yards per touch. I bring that up because in 2020 he had 10 yards a touch, and in 2019 he had 13.5 yards per touch so this season in 2022 it's 8.8 yards per touch a significant downgrade uh not just from 2021 but i think from his career standpoint Mm. in general as well so i just i look at that and i say okay is 2021 which was his third year in the league this is his fourth is 2021 gonna be more of a footnote on his career or is this or is this year 2022 going to kind of be that, oh, well, he just had that one down year, but now he's back to being Debo Samuel. You know what I mean? Is he going to be the bully on that block in 2023 and beyond? Or is 2021 more of kind of a, you know, a unique unicorn type season? I'm not that sure. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely on the fence about it too. Cause obviously again, what he did from a yards per catch standpoint last year, 18.2 that's nuts considering he considering again he is not like a vertical we typically think of these guys that lead the nfl and by the way he led the nfl in yards 
per reception last year. We typically think yeah. of those guys as like Deshaun Jackson types, you know, the outside, the numbers, like vertical guys. He's obviously could not be anything. He couldn't be more different than that type of player. So yeah. that was, again, those are, this is the type of thing what I say with fantasy folks are there. We're good about knowing that that's not like going to repeat. Like he, he ain't going to just no. average 18.2 yards per reception <laughs> probably ever again. No. Um, no. And he's, I mean, he's had a bit of a weird career too, right? Cause his 2020 season, I talk about this a lot is one that almost is like, you need to just take that in the trash and throw it out because he's had, he had such a, like he was clearly playing hurt all year. He had like a little right. tiny microscopic a dot. And um, then you come back to like the rushing stuff the last two years, you know, 59 carries 365 yards uh, in 2021, 41 carries 228 yards this year, almost a full yard less uh, on average per, per, per carry there. Again, that's just the stuff that's going to regress. I don't, but, and then, and then part of me too is like, Bro, I don't really want to be seeing Debo Samuel, you know, running up the middle anymore. Like, I mean, right. that's how he got hurt in in this game, right? And but then at the other other that's side, that's what of Jerry token, right? Jerry Jerry Rice, the legend Jerry Rice, tweeted that out. Stop sending these guys up the middle, <laughs> and I couldn't agree more. I know. So so, but at the same time, what what Debo does as a runner is so special right like i mean the mm -hmm. first touchdown in this game was like a crazy play down the sideline it was a bit again a more outside breaking uh towards the sideline type of run i think you could still get him doing it that way but like yeah these debo up the gut runs like enough already with that um so according to your reception perception data here um success rate versus man uh his he's always been kind of meh about yeah. that even even below average um certainly right in, in 2019 uh you had him down at 66.9 percent success rate versus man and last year in 2021 um 64 per uh 64.3 uh, yeah, has always been great yeah. against zone Always, I mean, elite against zone, north of 85%, uh, both in 2019 and 2021. Again, we'll just kind of sort of toss out 2020, um, which is fine. But um, but again, that that's kind of sort of the player uh, that he is. Although, Matt, I, I'll ask you this. Are you a little bit surprised, maybe, that he has not increased his success rate versus man score? Not really, because um, I think he's a little bit of a, a limited player, just like I, I, he's just never been that great of a technician when it comes to uh, his ability to win against like tight physical coverage. Um, he's certainly like a, I think he's a good contested catch receiver, right? Like I think, I don't think it's a lack of like physicality, stuff like that. I just think like in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage, in terms of like breaking on your routes against man coverage, I don't think he's ever been great about that. I think he's just, I do think he's a really smart player. I think the route combinations in San Francisco are great, which is why he's been a good zone coverage beater and shoot. I mean, most of the NFL run zone coverage is really important. To, like the fact that he's an elite player against zone coverage, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. But, you know, he's never been a guy that I, I think even his biggest supporters or like, you know, even the 49ers who clearly love the guy would ever think like, yeah, we don't take Debo Samuel and line him up at X receiver. And like, you know, we, no, we move him <laughs> pre-snap at flanker. We get him in motion in right. the, at the, prior to the line, prior to the snap, stuff like that. So that's why he's been a great zone coverage beater because he's able to get into those spots. But yeah, I, I, I'm not too surprised because just kind of the player that he is. You know, two random notes that I, I just wanted to kind of get out there too is um, I know Shanahan has his detractors, you know, um, but I think one of the things that I, I've definitely appreciated about Kyle Shanahan is that he's able to kind of look at what guys are able to do well 
And he mm-hmm. puts these guys in positions to succeed. You know, Debo Samuel, I think, is certainly a guy that he's helped do that with. And then now that I look at the run game now with CMC, too, I'm watching oh, yeah. so, so much more gap scheme stuff um, than I think I've ever seen from a Kyle Shanahan yeah, offense. Right. And I think for me, that really fits into what, you know, like CMC's vision you know, works well. Like he, I think he's a better gap scheme runner than a, than an outside zone runner. Not that he can't do it. It's just, you know, going back to a Stanford days, it's all about power football and those kind of things. And and, and to be honest with you, I just feel like Shanahan has changed up his run game. Not that he never had gap scheme runs in his offense. Obviously he did. Um, But the outside zone runs were just such a like big part of what made Shanahan's run game so special. But now that he has a special player in CMC, I'm I'm seeing a lot more gap scheme, like guards pulling and you know CMC running right up the middle, right around end or whatever it might be. So I I just think, like I said, I know Shanahan has a lot of detractors, uh, but boy, I tell you, I, I've really been impressed um, with his overall offense, his and just his ability to kind of mold and adapt what he does offensively to fit his guys' uh, skill sets the best. Hundred percent, and there, you just can't argue with the production they get out of quarterbacks, right? I mean, you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo always super efficient. I think we got to, you know, I, I was uh, tweeting about this a little bit with uh, Evan Sowards today, he's a Forty Nineers fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, bro, we got to talk about Brian Greasy a little bit more, right? Like, remember they hired <laughs> Brian Greasy, who was like a he's commentating Monday Night Football last year, and they hire him to be the quarterback coach, and like. Man, Jimmy, I think, has had his best season this year as a 49er. You know, obviously, the Trey Lance injury is unfortunate. But then, like, Brock Purdy comes out, and he's just dealing, bro. I mean, he was, I mean, he was legitimately really, really good against the Buccaneers. I watched that game pretty much start to finish. And you can't, like, well, until they cut it off. Until they cut it off. Like, Brock Purdy's beating Tom Brady's ass so bad, they took it <laughs> off, like, TV. on. Uh, they're like, we can't, we can't let you see the rest of this. Like, the, you, you don't want to watch Tom Brady get his ass beat by Brock Purdy, right? Go check out Sam Darnold and Geno Smith. Check out that barn burner over there. Whoa, oh look at how many gosh. carries Chuba Hubbard has, right? So, um, but, like, you, you can't really say – I mean, he had one mistake, right? They get called back from because of a holding play that wasn't really part of the play no. at all. So there was that one mistake. But I mean, Purdy was a, the la- literally the last pick of the draft and was ready to roll against the Bucks. Yeah. Like, which their defense is obviously their entire team. We're talking about them are, are underperforming, but I mean, my God, they still have good players on defense. And this guy Brock Purdy was just out there dealing. Like, I, I think I'm just c- kind of surprised we haven't had some sort of like. I don't know, big puff piece on Brian Greasy because he's got these quarterbacks ready to roll. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's such a great point. And I think it's because um, we're just so used to kind of like heaping praise on the Shanahan's true um, that that we don't necessarily maybe kind of look at some of their assistance there. Uh, but overall, yeah, you're right. Brian Greasy, I think, has been a little bit of a quarterback whisperer. I, and I, I, I even wonder, is, is it like less mechanics and just more like mental, you know, because this guy's got so much, you know, just experience in terms of like talking to quarterbacks and like kind of bringing out the best. But, you know, the thing about Brock yeah. Purdy, too, that, that I love, man, like he's got this irrational confidence about him. 
him, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. like, bro, you're Mr. Irrelevant, but he plays like he's got the, like that moxie, which I love, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of forgotten about Brian Greasy at all. Again, because really, I feel like nobody's talking about Brian Greasy. No one Greasy is. No one is talking about him. Greg Olson brought him up during the broadcast against the Bucks on Sunday because they used to play together in Chicago. Like that's right. It, like he was like, oh yeah, he was around when um, wow. the other guy who does who's the other guy? Kept, is it Burkhardt who does the games with mm-hmm. the, Kevin with Burkhardt? Greg Olson? Yep. Yeah, Burkhardt so, brought yeah. it up. Like you were teammates with him uh, when when you were in Chicago, and uh, yeah, they went on a big thing about Greasy after that. So um, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. But yeah, Brock Purdy, man, a lot of confidence. <laughs> BCB, it, it, what what a guy. Hey, man, uh, let's stay in that same game. You you can't get away from talking about Tom Brady, man. You you know, Mr. Irrelevant, this rookie, comes in and just absolutely lays the smack down. I get the Tampa Bay's down Vea. Uh, They're down both starting safeties, but who cares, dude? Like, Purdy played really, really well. Um, And I know Tom Brady's going up against, you know, again, arguably the best defense in the NFL in San Francisco. But, bro, oh, my God, Tom Brady looked absolutely horrific man like what is going on i think again this is a fair question to ask is my dude tom brady who's like aarp membership like is he done like is he done done because bro he looked bad and he's looked bad for the last three or four weeks (sighs) yeah man i think this was the first game i'll say this was the first game where i was like ooh. With, with Brady, man. And, you know, he's 21st on the season in EPA per dropback. He's, I mean, he's below like Marcus Mariota. Okay. Like, oh, <laughs> not, not great. You know, adjusted yards per attempt, another, another quarterback metric. I, I really, and of course with all these things, like it doesn't completely isolate the quarterback. Right. We, we know right, that, right, but right. like, you know, right. adjusted yards per attempt, Brady's certainly not where you expect him at all. He's 25th, right. He's below Taylor Heineke and Mac Jones Yo. in that metric on the season. So, uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of factors at play with the bucks and why they're disappointing this year. Um, we've talked about the coaching and the play calling a little bit on the show. You know, I I think Todd Bowles has run a way too conservative operation. I think Byron Leftwich has gotten way too conservative. Uh, they, they really love smacking their head against the wall with the first and 10 runs. They love, love, love that stuff. Um, you know, even, even with Leonard Fournette, like kind of seeding some carries to Rashad white, they're still, they're not a good run team, but man, I mean, Brady, like this was, again, this was the first game where, where I was like, he's missing, he's missing stuff and, and missing by a lot, like looking, looking by a t- lot, by a lot. Yeah. Like, this was the first game where I got 2015 Peyton Manning vibes. Cause I don't think I've gotten 2015 Peyton Manning vibes from Brady very often this year. Um, in fact, like I think he's for, for a lot of the season, he still threw a pretty good ball. He still, you know, had a good throwing motion, stuff like that. But the one thing I think is definitely true with Brady, like he wants to get rid of the ball. So, so fast. He does. He does not look like he wants to get hit. I mean, 2.32 time to throw this year. That is nuts. Like Tua gets the ball out really fast at 2.4 seconds. Brady, you know, at 2.3, I mean, that's just, that's kind of crazy. There's, there's no, (laughs) how can you run, how can you run a functional offense like that? I mean, nobody like Trevor Lawrence is in terms of guys that have started for the bulk of the year. He's at 2.41. He's at 2.41. Two is at 2.46. Like, you know, Joe Burrow's at 2.43. Like that, and I know it's like, oh, it's a point one of a second. But that matters a lot no, in the no, NFL, no, that right? Matters, like, that, that matters a ton. Yeah, absolutely. So the fact that Brady is almost a full, you know, point second 
point one faster than Lawrence and, and Tua and Burrow and these guys. That's that's troubling, man. Like he he wants to get that ball out so fast, and it's just tough in today's NFL to 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 create a bunch of chunk plays like that um, when your protection's not good either. So there's a lot of issues going on with Brady. Uh, but I, I do think, that, again, I'm with you that this was the first, at least one of the first few games where I was like, yikes, this is not good. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think just the, the miscommunication that he has, I think with his receivers, I think is something too. Um, I think, you know, he had a little bit of a, I don't want to say a shouting match or whatever, but clearly he and Mike Evans had words. Right. And there that's not the first time that they've not been on the same page. Yeah. But Tom Brady has missed him as well. Like bad throws. Um, there was a shot of him too, where his, uh, he, he followed through on a pass, uh, and banged his, his, his throwing hand on a defender's helmet. I wonder how much that hurt him, how much that, you know, kind of hampered him. It's, but then at the same time, they never showed that he put on tape or, or did any kind of adjustments to it might still be bothering him. I don't know, but man, I tell you what, he's looked bad. He looked bad in this game. Uh, I thought he looked bad against uh, new Orleans for about three and a half quarters. Right. Right. Um, and, and he's had these moments and, and, and I try to find these moments where you're right. Like his throwing motion looks fine. I think the ball's coming out fine. Uh, but maybe the play calling's just not there. And I tell you right now, his accuracy to me, uh, is just not where we're used to seeing it. I mean, his ball placement is legendary, man. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know, yeah. And I just don't think we have that right now. I think the arm strength looks fine. I think uh, it's yeah. you, you bring up 2015 Peyton Manning or whatever, and Manning's arm was just gone Toast. at that point. I don't think we're there with Tom Brady, but what has happened to ball placement, dude? Like, where, what, what is going on? It doesn't make any sense to me. And again, you talk about all the EPA stuff. I'll bring up passer rating. And again, not a perfect metric by any stretch of the imagination. I understand. But an 88.9 passer rating this year, that's the second lowest rating he's had since 2013. So we're talking about a decade's worth of football here. His uh, his Actually, his lowest uh, passer rating came in his last season in New England at 88.0. But as we know, that last year in New England, he had absolutely no one, no one, not a soul to throw to in New England. <laughs> well, they did, they did, they did trade a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu. So, oh <laughs> man, that's I forgot about that. Oh, Mo Sanu, no. Oh, oh my God! I tell you what, man. Um, Bill Belichick, the GM, has not helped Bill Belichick, the coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that was, by the way, that was after using a first-round pick on Nikhil Harry, so. Oh, brutal. That is so bad. I think that offseason, too, then they spent big money to go get Nelson Aguilar, right? Like, oh, my God. No, that was a couple more. That was a couple. A couple seasons after? after. Yeah, that was a couple after. Golly. Jesus Christ. Is there any any worse wide receiver evaluator in the NFL than Bill Belichick right now? What's going on? Come on, Bill. You're better than this. They swung another big one on uh, Tyquan Thornton this past year. Unbelievable. Okay. Hey, New England, you have my, you you could find my email. Okay. (laughs) I'm here to help. I know. Can you hire my guy, Matt Harmon, to be a wide receiver consultant, dude? He'll find you the right guys, man. What is going on? Oh, let me tell you. I, I, I promise you, he has very reasonable rates. Okay. Very reasonable. God, uh, yeah, literally, I, I'll work. I'll work for probably 0.5 percent of what you're paying, Bill. 0. There you 5. go, 0. 0.5. Uh, 
very affordable. Come on. Very, very, very affordable. 